I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou. Joining me to recap the year of 2020 um, in review and to hand out some awards unique to this uniquely terrible year is uh, Alex Wong. Alex, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. What a what a wonderful year to recap. Can't wait, bro. Yeah, I had to bring you on mostly because um, you are one of the more positive people I know. And um, based on some recent reviews of, of my recent episodes of the Raptors starting 0-3 and, and blowing a double-digit lead in all three games, the first in NBA history to do so, by the way, uh, you know, some people are saying that uh, I'm feeling really down. So, um yeah, I brought you. You know, we need your levity, man. Come, come tell us, uh, tell us some uncut gems memes or something. But please, <laughs> listen, man. The Raptors are, are technically with a win over the Knicks tonight. Will reach five hundred. To me, they're technically two and three right now because uh, the two wins came via the Clippers losing by fifty-one points mm. to the Mavs and the Bucks losing by thirty points to the Knicks. So that's okay. the current propaganda right now i really don't have anything else for you i woke up this morning and realized that at the start of the year the raptors were defending champions mm. and you know the whole city was shouting never underestimate the heart of a champion yeah i was thinking about the first bubble game mm-hmm. against the lakers i guess did that one count i can't remember anymore that was the first game that counted right yeah yeah okay yeah then like that was one of the i mean we'll talk about it but that was one of the most exciting wins um, during this calendar year, because it really felt like the Raptors were showing us that they were going to be able to do this in the playoffs. And then they obviously lost to the Celtics. And now it's December 31st. And we got to watch the Knicks tonight to hope that the Raptors can get a win this season. Like, what's going on, man? Raptors, Knicks in Tampa. Uh, man. Yeah, no, I know. When you put it like that, it's it's, it's a little depressing. But uh, I mean, look, that's 2020. That's <laughs> that's, what we do. that's why we're doing this episode. So we can look back at it at how uniquely... Um, strange this year was and quite honestly not that great but um wow okay i thought you're gonna bring positivity i guess oh not. yeah yeah no the positivity is coming yeah apologies everyone. all right it's all right. coming it's gonna i know be... mark saval i know mark saval wants me to ask uh pascal siakam to be shipped to the g league but you know i'm wow. not gonna do that damn i mean maybe two weeks there would help though no I'm yo, yo relax 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 <laughs> just yo. kidding yo all right i did not say that all right Chris, or not Chris. Uh, Chris, yo. Chris, when you're his PTSD. When, when, when you're watching this, that was Alex Walk. I gotta put like a little like I gotta put like a, a note on the bottom, like you put your handle there. Yo, for the record, for the record, LeBron had like 97 IG stories yesterday because everybody was wishing him happy birthday. So the bar is set pretty high for Chris Boucher right. when he wins Most Improved Player. Let's go. Let's start the agenda right now because we're going to have to need him to be the most improved player <laughs> to do some yeah. stuff this year. <laughs> you couldn't even play against Philly. Oh, never mind. Getting that. Okay, let's uh, go. All right. All right. So we are here to do the 2020 year in review award show for the Toronto Raptors. I will be your host, uh, even though my phone is going off, which is, uh, you know, 
super professional as a podcast. Yeah, just tell them you can't go to that uh, socially distanced party tonight. It's okay. No, I, listen, I, I, I sound like uh, when Chris Tucker got a call from his dad while I'm shooting with Jackie Chan. <laughs> And, and I'm just like wasting our right, film new, right new now. Year's resolution. Both of us got to watch one movie. I mean, I'm just saying, man, <laughs> if they can make Rush Hour 4, that would make it a lot easier for us. All right. Stop teasing yeah, us. It's going to be you right. and uh, Utah Wantanabe. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be jealous, man. Come on, man. It's all, it's all right. I, I know you talk to more famous agents than, than Utah. No, honestly, I was, I was, uh, no, my heart was warm seeing you and uh, Watanabe just, just chop. I bet he was super excited too, yeah. just to see someone, you know, who looked like him. Yeah, I mean, um, he was, uh, I think he was a little confused. He's like, an Asian is interviewing me, but in English. <laughs> I also love that you had him as your Twitter avatar, and I guess you had to change it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just didn't want him or his agent to, like, look up, like, who I am, you know, just to vet, like, what, what's going on. And then they're like, yo, what are we getting up into? No, we're declining this interview. So, What was the, what was the time limit there from Raptors PR? Were they, like, 15 minutes and you're out? Yeah, 15 minutes specifically. And man, I, they should have just given you like took exactly they should have given you like two hours, man. Who else is interviewing him like that? I mean, you know, that's you know true. I'll say that's the true. things I'll say the things other media members don't want to say. But wow. all, right, all right, let's let's do this. I, I mean, honestly, fifteen minutes is enough for me. <laughs> I don't. I don't. All know. right, I, all I, right, I okay, okay. All right, year <laughs> review, year review. This is how it's going to work. I am going to. So I have picked out four candidates for each award. And I will present the four candidates and then Alex will pick the candidate uh, to win that award for the year of 2020. And then we'll discuss it. So we'll start here. Player of the year for the year of 2020. And of course, we're just talking about the calendar year. So, um, you know, the, the I guess half, not even half, like a third of last season and um, the three games to start <laughs> this year. Uh, player of the year. So the stats I got here. So I got four candidates. You got Pascal Siakam who averaged 21 points, 6.7 rebounds, 3.3 assists. You got Kyle Lowry, 18.4 points, 5.2 rebounds, 7.5 assists. Fred Van Vliet, 17.2 points, 3.6 rebounds, 6.2 assists. And Serge Ibaka, 16.4 points, 8.4 rebounds, 1.5 assists. Those are your four candidates for Raptors Player of the Year for 2020. Alex, who is the winner here? I'm going to go with Kyle just because, you know, he's still the most important player on this team and you know he had a few signature performances in the playoffs at the bubble that that really I think still reminded people uh what he could do um at this level um especially in the postseason and you know we've seen it early in 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 the year too that you know this Raptors team is a mess without Kyle on the floor it's a little bit troublesome that they have to rely on him this much especially because he's going to turn I think 35 in March, but yeah. I think it has to be Kyle, man. You know, we, we talk about him as the greatest Raptor of all time and all of that stuff. And if you look at this calendar year, you know, outside of a few other, you know, great moments, I feel like this was still Kyle's year when you look at the Raptors. I mean, you're 35 and you, and you carry the show. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, two minutes in, man. Come on, man. Yo, is this an award show, an Academy Award show? Is this a roast, man? Come on. You know, it's 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 both. No, I mean, look, I, I think I completely agree with your your pick here. I think I, it's not even skewed necessarily by the three games um, that have been played so far this season, where Kyle is undoubtedly the uh, I don't know player of the month for December for the Raptors. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think what we saw from Pascal was he suffered a groin injury. And since then, he hasn't necessarily been uh, as effective. I think the athleticism hasn't um, allowed him to just, you know, wreak havoc in the paint as before. I think Fred took legitimate leaps, but I think we can all agree that Kyle is better than Fred. Um, and then Serge, honestly, Serge had an awesome year. Like I, I, I struggled a little bit with finding the fourth hand here, but when you looked into the numbers, when you looked into um, the moments that he produced, um, the content that he produced, like Serge absolutely deserved to be here as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. It's Kyle. I think honestly, Kyle has won. If we were doing the show going back many years, Kyle was, was probably player of the year in 2014, 2015. I don't think anyone deserved player of the year just based on how the playoffs went. And Kyle legitimately wasn't that good to, uh, at, at the end of 2015 and the playoffs for sure. But 2016, player of the year. 2017, player of the year. 2018, player of the year. 2019, Kawhi. You know, let's be real. Kawhi would have been 2019. But Kyle regains uh, the 2020 player of the year award. Um, absolutely agree. All right, next question. Um, defender of the year. For some reason, I, I guess I stopped doing this because uh, I only have three candidates here, but I'll just make one up on the fly. Uh, you got uh, so the four candidates for defender of the year goes to uh, Fred Van Vliet, who averaged 1.7 steals, and he led the league in deflections per game as a, I would say, approaching six-feet guard. So quite impressive. OJ Anobi, 1.7 steals. Generally speaking, the guy who was guarding the opposing team's best player. Kyle Lowry led the league in charges. And Marcus Gasol, who, you know, uh, despite the fact that, you know, uh, we'll get into it later on that, you know, he had obviously a lot of struggles offensively, but defensively, fantastic. If you looked at all the advanced metrics, Marcus all had one of the best defensive uh, ratings on the team in terms of his net rating. When he was on the floor, the Raptors were uh, like giving up less than 100 points per possession, which uh, per 100 possessions, which is um, pretty incredible. So um, who's your winner for defender of the year? Yeah, I'll probably give it to Mark, but except I have the agenda of just pushing players that are currently on the Raptors. So I'm actually going to go with OG. I think what he does on the defensive end is still a little bit underrated. Maybe not by like people who watch the Raptors pretty regularly, but even looking at him like the first three games of the year, I know he's been kind of on and off on the offensive end and had a pretty good game against Philly, but like defensively, he's been really consistent And I think back to just some of the highlights too, like what was that game against Denver in the Mm. regular season when he had, how many steals did he have? Like seven steals? Seven steals, man. Seven steals. Yeah. Three of them were off Nikola Jokic that directly led to transition dunks. Yeah. And and you've seen some of that this season too. And and I know like the the counting stats, like the steals and that leads to like the breakaway dunks and the fast breaks is is, is good for the highlights. But I, I just think generally like, having a guy like him to, to, like you mentioned, guard the opposing team's best defender. Like there's really nobody in the league you would want rather than OG. Like, I don't think that's like exaggerating. Right. I mean, I think his absolute ceiling is definitely up there and, and is, you know, his, his ceiling is that sometimes he doesn't necessarily get all the way up to that level, but um, I think I would say definitely more often than not that he's like an absolute shutdown defender. Um and I mean, you know, I think it's, it's hard with defense because um, it's obviously not tracked the same way offense is. So there's not the same kind of like nuance when you're looking at defense. But at the same time, when you just think of like defensive moments, like, you know, him uh, stepping up to guard Karis LeVert, that game where the Raptors were, I think that was what, game 14 of the win streak or something like that. 
maybe 13 out of the 15. And OG decides, you know, I got him and forces him into an air ball. Um, you know, that's that's an incredible defensive play. So, I mean, I, I agree with this choice. But honestly, the Raptors had some pretty good choices this year, man. Fred was, you know, awesome. Kyle was awesome. Mark was awesome. Um, but I think individually, who, you know, if you're going to give one winner here, you probably just give the tiebreaker to the guy who's like, absolutely the number one defender you would choose to pick to guard, you know, the opposing team's best player. So OG Anobi with the defender of the year, honestly, uh, in previous years, there were, there were not a lot of good candidates. So like, did, if you did, take, did Lou Williams win this in uh, like 2015? Uh, <laughs> I, I, like let's, let's, let's do the 2014, 15 season and just think of four candidates. Cause I, I got like, Patrick Patterson, kind of. <laughs> That's tough, man. This guy's going to tell me the off-on-court plus-minus numbers now. Yeah, I mean, that's one back when Pat was actually adored by myself and uh, the fan base. You, you probably just give it to, like, Norm or something, because he was, like, nah, he early was... in his career coming up. You know what? I've, I've reached the point with Norm where I, he reminds me of Terrence Ross now. Like, I'm just, like, in or out on Norm. Currently, I'm out on Norm, man. It's just the, the, the plays that he was making. <sighs> yeah, no, you can, you literally can't find four good defenders on this whole roster. <laughs> Probably would just give it to Dwayne Casey. Yeah. Yo, honestly, no, Dwayne, you're absolutely right. Dwayne Casey playing defense on the sideline played way more defense than any of the guys here because it's like Bruno, Damar, Landry Fields, who didn't play, Tyler Hansbrough, who honestly is one of the top four, Chuck Hayes might be on the top four, Amir Johnson in there, James Johnson, Kyle Lowry, who, you know, at the time wasn't playing nearly as much defense as he's doing now. Baby Naguera, Patrick Patterson, Terrence Ross, Greg Steensma, Jonas Valanciunas, who definitely was not playing defense back then, Gravis Vasquez, definitely didn't play defense, and Lou Williams, who's like one of the worst defenders in the league. So it's uh, not a surprise that team lost in the playoffs. Yeah, no wonder they got swept by the Wizards. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. That's tough. All right, positivity. Let's go. Positivity. All right, next question. The 2020 breakout player of the year for the Toronto Raptors. I have four picks here. I have OJ Anobi who uh, made the leap to becoming a consistent starter. Obviously, he kind of did it in his first year. Um, Second year, it was kind of a lost year for him due to various factors. He establishes himself as uh, a consistent starter. He started more games than any other player on the Raptors. He was also the healthiest player of the starters. You have Pascal Siakam, who took the leap from being most improved to making the all-star game as a starter who also made second team All-NBA. He's had Fred Van Vliet, who was also his first season starting, and he bumped his scoring average seven points. Uh, you, know, you know, again, the defense, I think, went to another level as well. Pretty much just took finals Fred and made it a regular thing. And then I have Norman Powell on here because Norm actually had a good year for once. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was like 16 points a game, uh, shot 50% from the field, 40% from three legitimately awesome as a pension starter averaging over 20 a game when he started. But um, yeah. Who is your 2020 breakout player of the year for the Raptors? First of all, the way you're talking about Norm is like the way my dad talks about me, just like super disappointing. You know, he had a good year, I guess (laughs) Um, he's constantly in on me and then out on me, Um, you know, not a popular choice, but I'm going to go with Pascal Siakam. I actually feel like it has to be Pascal, like despite, Mm all the criticism that is being directed at him right now. And listen, I think all of it is fair. 
he uh, I think stats wise and just from an eye test, he's not passing it right now mm-hmm. um, in terms of the expectations that people have on him. And obviously the, the playoffs that he had against Boston, I think is fresh in people's memories. But like you said, you can't forget about the steps that he did take. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if anything, and again, I don't want to make excuses for him because he's been bad, but he's kind of a victim of his own success, right? I think yeah. coming into coming into last season, you know, there's questions about what he was going to do. And he kind of just raised the bar right away with the way that he came out um, in the regular season. And, you know, you can't take away the all-NBA second team, the all-star starter spot, um, and the numbers that he put up. So, you know, I think... I'm sure we'll talk about Pascal more later or whatever, but you know, I think this has to go to Pascal. I don't think it's close. Yeah. I think, um, well, I mean, first off, Pascal had to make the hardest jump out of anybody else here. Um, you know, I think Fred in a different role is, is new norm being good on a night to night basis is new. I, I feel like I'm missing norm, but like, that's, that's really what happened though. Let's be real. Okay. Didn't expect anything from norm. And he actually did something last year. Um, and, you know, OG stepped into a role too. But the, the guy who had the hardest and biggest shoes to fill was Pascal. And honestly, if you look at the whole season, right, I mean, it's not just Pascal. It's the Raptors as a whole that, you know, and of course in the playoffs, you know, his numbers tailed off. I get all of that. But um, he, he he did his job. And I, 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 it's just, I, I know people are really down on him right now. It's a huge sc- amount of scrutiny on him, but um yeah, I mean, the fact that the Raptors were second in the NBA in, in terms of wins in the regular season, um, he was the leading scorer. He was maybe not the best player because Kyle was more impactful to wins as he generally is, but someone had to be the number one guy, and Pascal did that, and, and he did it, and this is his first time doing it, and he did a good job of it. I also want to just, like, link his stats before um, before he went down with his hamstring injury, or not ham- his groin injury. Um, he was averaging 25 points per game, eight rebounds, 3.6 assists, a steal, a block, 46% shooting from the field, 39% from three, from three, um, getting to the free throw line five times a game, hitting at an 81%, like in 36 minutes while also playing spectacular, well, not spectacular, like really, really good defense. Like that's, that's, that's a lot, man. And that was a pretty big jump. So I agree with you here. Well, no, so, so far, no, no, um, no disagreements on the award. So Pascal gets your breakout player of the year. For 2020. Um, next category, newcomer of the year for the year of 2020 on the Toronto Raptors. I have four candidates, um, kind of, because there weren't that many like great newcomers. Um, and by the way, if you don't agree with some of these picks, I, I encourage you, Alex, to introduce some more because some of these were tough. But uh, Matt Thomas, your first candidate for newcomer of the year, uh, shot 45% from three. Um, you know, we made a whole propaganda. That's it. <laughs> 45 percent from three yo give me three more good uh good stats about our impressions about matt thomas uh okay 17 points in a quarter against the pacers a game where the raptors won by like 46 all right it's pretty good and uh turned his back to lou waves that one time <laughs> which by the way norm did something very similar against the sixers but i'm just saying okay um, but yeah, I mean, clearly one dimensional, but Matt Thomas, you know, one of the newcomers, Chris Boucher, not a newcomer specifically, but someone who I don't know for you, but for me, I didn't spend too much energy thinking about, uh, Boucher in previous years. He was just kind of a guy at the end of the bench. He actually had some moments this year, uh, you know, including 
25 and 11 against the Bucks. This is inside the bubble. Uh, 22, 10, and seven, seven being blocks in the Raptors' loss to the Spurs, uh, you know, uh, this season. And also 19 and 15 against the Suns. So Chris honestly had some pretty big moments. I thought he, you know, not maybe more a breakout player than newcomer, but, you know, he, he, he was there. Terrence Davis, who I just wrote disqualified here, um, and O'Shea Brissett, who I had to put in as a fourth option, and I said he made a bubble vlog. So who's your newcomer of the year for 2020? Goodness, man. That list was running short. Um, you know, I have to give it to Matt Thomas. Of course. You know, you mentioned the, the one dimension, you know, that one that's one dimension's better than, you know, the other players' dimensions, I guess. Um, oh, I don't even know where I'm going with this anymore. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think especially early on in this season, you know, we keep seeing like glimpses of him just showing a little bit of his like other parts of the game, right? Like, I think the playmaking has been a bit of a surprise um, early on in the season. And yeah, I don't know. I think he brought a lot of excitement um, to the fan base. And, you know, you have to give him that. And he shot 100% in game seven against the Celtics. Check the box scores. Not that a is an absolute fact. And um, I mean, first off, he cracked the rotation, which uh, none of these other people did in terms of newcomers. Uh, and cracking a game seven rotation, even if you only play like five minutes, is huge. Is absolutely huge. So, um, you know, I honestly, I kind of want to give it to Chris. I do feel like Chris had some way higher highs than Matt Thomas did. All right, chill. He's not listening. But uh, yeah, that's that's my pick. All right. So. Um, all right, Chris. Please, uh, <laughs> please note that it was Alex who picked Matt Thomas. I wake, I wake up every day in fear that he he's found one of my IG story tweets. Well, don't worry. That, that's coming up later in the podcast. We have uh, we have more moments, um, but yeah, I mean, I think on, in terms of Matt, I mean, the, the fan base is really taken to Matt. I feel like I don't know if it's our, our propaganda. I don't think so. I think it's just people really like Matt, and there's always people asking for more Matt Thomas. So he might be the most adored newcomer. I'll say that much. Yeah, well, it it also helps because some nights the Raptors look like they can't score eighty points. <laughs> All right, positivity. What's next? <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I feel like I brought on the wrong guest. Should I call it Big V? Uh, <laughs> uh, next category. Uh, best performer of the year for the year 2020. Or best performance. So uh, this is a single game performance, regular season or playoffs. I have four, although realistically, it's going to go to one of these two uh, first uh, options that I picked. So the first one, Kyle Lowry, game three versus the Celtics, 31, eight and six in 46 minutes and 28 seconds played. This is in a regulation game, so he only sat for one minute and 32 seconds in the first half. Uh, he threw the uh, ridiculous pass to OJ Anobi for three to to uh, avoid going down 0-3. So that's the first option. Second option, Kyle Lowry, game six versus the Celtics, 33-8-6 and six in 53 minutes and 28 seconds played. This was in a double overtime game. That is a ridiculous amount of minutes to be playing. Uh, Kyle obviously hit the uh, game clinching win, uh, shot over Kemba Walker, which will come up later on in that game. And then Serge Ibaka versus the Pacers. This is 37 and three. This is a game during the 15 game win streak where I believe he came in wearing a big scarf and he hit the game winning three to make a, to launch a huge comeback. And I think the Raptors are down like 10 with like two plus minutes left to go. And, and they just, uh, yeah, they just re- stole that essentially from the Pacers. Joe Wolfon uh, in tears at the arena. I saw it. 
And um, <laughs> last one, OG. Joe Wolf on sobbing like Joel and beat after game seven. No, it, it was, yeah. It, <laughs> on the record, it happened. It definitely <laughs> happened. Oh, man. And then uh, OG Anobi versus the Nuggets. 32 points, seven rebounds, three assists, seven steals on 12 of 16 shooting. It came on a loss, but a career high for OG in terms of uh, points and, and steals. Which, which game, which was the best performance of the year? Yeah, so the surge and OG performances were great, but I feel like those got to go in the honorable mentions because they were regular season. Yeah. Um, so if it comes down to the game three and game six against Kyle, that's tough because obviously both games, huge stakes. Um, mm-hmm. Arguably both games saved the season, right? Yes. And I guess I would have to, and this would be super close, but I would have to give it to game three mm. just because you have to throw in the fact that Kyle threw that perfect pass to OG and without that pass, you know, that shot attempt doesn't happen. And without that shot attempt, the Raptors are, uh, their season is done because they would have been down 3-0 and probably just would have gotten swept because I'm not sure you push that hard when you know, you know, Mm -hmm. you're pretty much done like the Milwaukee Bucks do every year in the playoffs. Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to find ways to to sneak that in. It's tough right now when the Raptors are 0-3, but I'd probably give it to game three, but that's close though. I would almost just want them to tie because the game six performance was just incredible. And you talked about the minutes played and just the huge plays that he came up with. Like there was probably like eight different times at the end of regulation and the two overtimes where it felt like the game was over. I remember nobody could guard Daniel Tice. This man was just, they were just dropping the ball into him and Fred Uh, was like clutching at his shorts. Yeah. (laughs) Fred was trying to pants the guy. That was his best bet. (laughs) No, like there was eight different times where Uh, it felt like the game was over mm -hmm. and somehow the Raptors were able to pull it out and you you have to give Kyle all the credit for that. Yeah. I guess I would go game three, but I guess either one is good. Yeah. I, I think I called game three the best performance Kyle Lowry has ever delivered for the Raptors. And then I think I called game six the best performance because honestly, they were that good. Like, I think they are in, in the pantheon of top five Kalari games for the Raptors. Those are absolutely on there, if not one and two. I think maybe number one has to be game six against the Warriors to clinch the title. Um, and then, you know, there's, you know, the performance he had in game seven against the Heat in 2016. That's in contention. Um, you know, and. Honestly, the game where he we finally beat the Cavs and Kyle hit the game one over at Delhi. I know it was regular season, but that was pretty damn good too. Uh, but yeah, no, these two games were absolutely it's it's impossible to pick between the two of them. I'm only gonna pick game three because without game three happening, game six doesn't happen. Because as you mentioned, the Raptors probably get swept. Instead, they go seven games. And Kyle was honestly like the only guy who played well in that game. Game six, the Raptors had several guys step up. And they needed to because the Celtics had slowly started to figure out their defense a little bit. But, I mean, the fact that he only sat for a minute and 32 seconds, man. Talk, talk about, like, leaving it all on the line and stuff like that. That's, that's like some stuff that LeBron would do, you know? Just play the whole game, do everything, score, assist, create. And then the, the pass at the end. I mean, like, again, as much as OG shot is the highlight, the pass itself, it's so crazy. Because I remember one of the things that got pointed out was <clears throat> because it took place in that bubble environment, there's no fans there was extra space on the sideline where the fans would normally be sitting courtside. Kyle Lowry recognized that, backed up, because remember the Sixers or the, the Celtics put in Taco Fall, seven foot seven Taco Fall, to just stand and just wave his arms in front of Kyle Lowry. And Kyle used that extra space, had the presence of mind to step back, 
because that gave him more of an angle to throw the pass. And then the perfect pass, like the absolute perfect pass. And the play wasn't for OG either. So it's, um, you know, Kyle Ironman, just an absolute genius. But yeah, I, he had absolutely the first and second best performances of this year. It's not close. Uh, next category, the most shocking moment for the Toronto Raptors in the year of 2020. I have four options here. Number one, Stanley Johnson hitting a game winner against the Sixers. All right. In a game where I famously said, I will I will never forget this game. And that was my first thing that came to mind when I wrote this category. Sarge Ibaka, alley-oop to Matt Thomas. This was, I believe, during February or something like that. But Serge Ibaka at the top of the floor saw Matt Thomas. Matt Thomas actually did point to call for the pass, but Serge threw a perfect pass, and Matt Thomas, like, did a alley-oop. Well, I mean, he didn't dunk the ball, but, you know, come on. He wasn't going to dunk the ball. Um, Rondé outplaying Carl Anthony Towns. This is in the 15th win. I remember this game because I was vacationing in Mexico City, but I still decided to turn on the Raptors game, and – I mean, I had to talk about it, man. It was Rondé was incredible that night. And then the fourth one is Matt Thomas once again. And Matt Thomas becoming a saga man in the O'Shea Brissett vlogs. Uh, that was, I, I fell off my couch when I saw that. Um, when he turned to the camera and, and, and asked, is everything blessed? Right now, not everything is blessed, but um, those are your four most shocking moments for 2020. Alex, what's your winner here? Yeah, so first I want to say, I guess we missed out on Matt Thomas doing How Hungry Are You with Serge. I feel like that would have been like an odd pairing, but it would have been really good. Yeah, you think Serge, uh, Serge liked Matt that much? <laughs> I don't know if they ever had a conversation. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember a single interaction they had. Other than we we all know by now Matt Thomas had no friends during his first <laughs> two months with yep. the Raptors, and yep. things turned when he joined Kyle Lowry to do the Nutcracker. Um, that's mm. his origin mm. story. Um, the most shocking moment, you know what? I'm going to go with the Stanley Johnson game winner just because I remember how fun that game was. You know, oh, obviously the NBA had been suspended. We didn't know what was going on in the world. And then they came back in the bubble. And it's hilarious because this game actually didn't matter because both teams didn't play their starters at the end. And Stanley just took over. And, and I'm sure you remember too how excited the two benches were. Like it was just like a pickup game. Um, mm-hmm. in yep. the playground and you and you know Stanley and also I want to give credit to you you know just a epic uh a reaction pod you know I've never I haven't heard you that excited since you were in Oakland after the Raptors won the oh, championship oh, so man. you know if anybody wants to go back in the archives um just start listening to that at like eleven fifty tonight and it'll feel like the Raptors won the championship again at midnight so I'm gonna go with the Stanley Johnson game winner I, I don't think it's close yeah, you're right. In terms of most shocking, for Stanley Johnson, all people to hit the game winner is absolutely wild. By the way, I have to remind people, Stanley created that win because the Raptors were down. And, oh yeah, it was third unit versus third unit, whatever. But, you know, the Raptors obviously didn't have the third string point guard last year, so Stanley had to do that. And he made a lot of great plays, man. He had a three, I believe. He made a cut, you know. Um, and that was hype because originally he drove and he created a good look for uh, Dewan Hernandez, who has since been waived, unfortunately. Um, but Dewan missed the layup, but Stanley was right there to collect the rebound. And then, boom, like no hesitation, nothing. Hit a jumper, which I think, honestly, Stanley might have hit, like, what do you think, five jumpers last year all season? One of them was a game winner. That's, you know, that's that's unbelievable. And, and yeah, of course, it was super hype. The benches were really into it. I remember Al Horford pretending like he was friends with everybody. 
on that bench because he got traded like <laughs> a, a week after that. Um, I remember, you know, Fred coming out and, and chesting uh, Stanley because it was, you know, just an incredible shot, man. And, of course, Stanley followed up the next game with, like, 25 points against the Nuggets. Again, another game where it was a throw a throwaway. Like, it was third unit versus third unit. But this man was pulling up on bull bull. And he, him and him and Paul Watson had a really, really nice finish to uh, the bubble year. So, um, yeah, Stanley, congratulations, man. The most shocking moment <laughs> was that you hit a game winner. That seems like a diss, but whatever. <laughs> um, next category, best win of, uh, of the year for 2020. This is, there's a lot of options here. I have Raptors, 137, Wolves, 126. This is the 15th win of the Raptors. Uh, not just the Raptors. It was a Canadian professional sporting record for most wins consecutively. 15 wins in a row. Uh, this is the game Rondé outplayed Carl Anthony Towns, Fred, OG, Siakam all dominated in the fourth quarter. Um, n- next option, Raptors 107, Lakers 92. This is the first game of the bubble. The Raptors held AD to two total field goals made. Kyle had 33 points, 14 rebounds, and six assists. Honestly, that's that should be on one of the performances of the year, but I can't have three of those being Kyle. Um, Raptors 150, Nets 122. This is the fourth game where the Raptors completed their first ever sweep in franchise history. And the best stat from that game was the Raptors bench combined to score 100 points, man. That is a ridiculous stat. Um, you know, obviously the, the Nets were playing Chris Chioza. Um, you know, one more time for my Chris uh, Dumplings joke. And then the last one, Raptors 125, Celtics 122. This is double overtime. Game six, the Raptors winning that game. Uh, what's your best win of the year? Yeah, let's go through this. So the double overtime, I think was great, but a lot of those, a lot of the Raptors wins, especially the game three and game six against the Celtics, is still hard for me to go back and watch mm-hmm. um, because knowing that they ended up losing the series, you can't enjoy it as much as like revisiting like the championship run moments. Yeah. Cause you know how it ended, right? Uh, the sweep against the Nets, I guess was great, but like you mentioned, that game, like they and the whole series, they were going up against uh, Chris Chioza, which I believe you can get for, uh, free on Uber Eats when you order over twenty dollars. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> um, oh, the uh, the Wolves one was kind of hilarious because I don't know if you remember when when you mentioned when they set that Canadian record, right? Mm-hmm. There were people who were upset because I think there was like a minor league baseball team called the Toronto Maple Leafs who like won like 16 in a row or something like that. Where do they play? Like Christy Pitts? Like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. man. This is like people being like, yo, Pinball Clemens should have won 10 Lou Marsh awards. But <laughs> okay, <Arun. All> right. <laughs> I guess, I guess, honestly, I would pick, I would pick the win against the Lakers okay. only because, you know, we didn't know how the team was going to look mm-hmm. coming out of the pandemic. Uh, they rolled into the bubble in their Black Lives Matter bus, just driving through Florida, right, which was a right. big flex. And, you know, they played those scrimmage games and then they went up against the Lakers and really put down this blueprint of like, okay, this is how the Raptors are going to be able to shut down the opposing team star players. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be able to use this formula to win in the playoffs. Cause did they go, they went like seven and one yeah. in the bubble game. And they had the hardest schedule um, out of any team that was in the bubble Raptors. Yeah. So I think people forget obviously because of how the Celtics series ended, but man, the Raptors look great in the bubble to start mm-hmm. seven and one sweeping the nets, which I don't think was a huge surprise. So, you know, it still makes me wonder if the pandemic didn't happen and it was just a regular NBA season and the Raptors got to play at Scotiabank Arena, 
I don't think it's far-fetched to say that in that alternate world, they could have made it back to the finals. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Although, whatever, <laughs> what, I don't know. We'll also never know. I, I think, honestly, they had some legitimate. We'll never know. We'll never know. And that's why we can always throw that out there, bro. No, that's true, man. Honestly, that game was that, – that was such a great way to start. I think it really I, – I think, honestly, like so much happened in the bubble. Um, but that – I think that was the game where Kyle also went to talk with the Lakers about what they're going to do in terms of the anthem protest because they were kneeling for the American anthem. Kyle essentially worked it out with them that they're also going to kneel for the Canadian anthem. That was also, if you remember, Jesse Reyes was on top of the CN Tower doing the edge walk. Uh, shout out Jesse Reyes. You know, I've been standing since day one. Right? That was also when you messaged me watching the game on the illegal feed and, and asked me if they were showing the anthem on the broadcast. And I was like, yes, they are on, on my cable TV. All right. I, I thought I was being blacked out or something, or I thought, you know, I, and, and I was going to get NBA, the NBA canceled. Um, as, you know, unfortunately, the NBA is no longer allowing this, but the, they used to be able to get league, international league pass. And then I would just like VPN to somewhere else, usually like Hong Kong or something. And can't uh, wait till you get suspended. This guy's watching games on CCTV, and suddenly the feed goes out because of Daryl Morey. Uh, yeah, well, no Sixers. I actually couldn't watch after Sixers this year. No, uh, <laughs> Sixers no longer exist. The Rockets are somehow back in the league. Um, no, but I mean, yeah, I just like I couldn't see it, so I was like, you know, whatever. But apparently they took that that, that caveat out now, so now I actually have cable which is, uh, you know, cool, I guess. I don't know. More expensive. But, yeah, I, um, you know, I think all four of these games are very deserving. I mean, the 15th win is just so ridiculous. Um, you were in the arena for that. That was at home against uh, for the Raptors. I was away. What was the what was the reaction? Like, any any notable moments, man? What, what do you do at the arena when I'm not there is my question because, you know. Uh, I talked to uh, Louis Altman instead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so just try to find a new person. No, I think that that whole I don't remember anything particular from that game, but like I think just the whole winning streak, there was such great energy in the arena because of the way that they won the games too, right? Yeah, of course. Like I think this Wolves game and you mentioned that Pacers game. Mm-hmm. I think that Pacers game was just like incredible because it looked like the streak was going to end yep. with two minutes left. And I don't even know what was the sequence now. I don't remember the sequence of things that happened. And then suddenly Serge hit the three. Mm-hmm. And the Pacers came back on the other end, and I think OG or someone locked down like Oladipo, and that was it. Yeah. And Nate Nate Bjorgren was like, "I can't wait to coach this team next year." <laughs> Yo, the Pacers are now one of the best teams in the NBA, man. People are asking, people are asking me if losing Nate Bjorgren was, you, you know, how so people are angry right now because people are angry because they're zero and three, which is fine, um, you know. But they're like, oh, the front office messed up. You know, they they let Kawhi walk for nothing. They let Daddy walk for nothing. They let Serge walk for nothing. Let Mark Ad walk for nothing. They have put Nate Bjorgren on that list. Which I... <laughs> like I've said, man, it's tough for any franchise to bounce back from losing Jeremy Castleberry and Nate Bjorgren oh, yeah, in back back seasons. I'm glad you mentioned it because they also locked, they lost him. They lost Jeremy Lin for nothing. They Phil lost Handy. Eric Moore. Oh, trust me. I've seen Phil Handy being put on these lists too. Pascal, Pascal's uh, handle struggling uh, since Phil Handy left. Is that a coincidence? Nick Nurse hasn't won an NBA game without Nate Bjorgren, while Nate Bjorgren is undefeated without Nick Nurse. I mean, they're 3-1 they're now. I mean, come on. Ah, uh, they lost? Okay, yeah. sorry, Wolfon. Wolfon crying again. They, they, had a, <laughs> they, they had a, well, they, they did have a huge, they had a big lead on the Celtics, and then the Celtics completely came back on them. 
what you would know if you were following Joe Wolf on Twitter. Oh, I definitely was. Every time, uh, just I'm just trying to enjoy my day. And at 8.15 p.m., Joe Wolf on is just like, man, DeMantis Sabonis look, looking like the next Shaquille O'Neal, you know? Occasionally, I'd be like, did you know that uh, TJ McConnell you, leads the league in backcourt Yeah, did you know steals? that the Pacers have uh, four of the nine uh, TJs in NBA history? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, we didn't know, Joe. <laughs> Thanks to you. Um Next category, the play of the year for 2020. Um, so obviously this is anything that happened on the court. Uh, number one, OG Anobi with 0.5 seconds left afterwards. No reaction. Um, and saying in the postgame press conference, I don't shoot trying to miss, which I believe turned into uh, at least a thousand uh, captions for people sliding in the DMs afterwards. Um, Kyle Lowry over Kemba Walker in st- double overtime in game six the iconic call by Mark Jackson because Kyle Lowry hit the shot and then for some reason, like, hit the deck and started scrambling on all fours to try to get back on defense. And Mark Jackson just saying, swim, which I, I don't know why, but it was it, it stood out to me. Uh, Serge Ibaka finding Matt Thomas for the alley-oop. Of course, this is not going to win, but I had to put it on there because I love that play so much. Uh, and then Stanley Johnson delivering the game-winning dagger against the Sixers. Which is your play of the year for the year 2020? I guess it would have to be OG shot. Yeah, it has and, to be yeah. yeah, and I think it's incredible too. I mean, given OG's personality and the way that he reacted to it, obviously the fact that it saved the season. But I think it's great that in back-to-back playoffs, the Raptors got to have a buzzer beater yep. in, in the second round. Obviously, the Kawhi one is on another level. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do remember, I think the next day we chatted and I brought up the idea that this one was, it was better, not for the context. I think just the play was prettier, right? From, from the oh, Kyle yeah. pass right into like OG shooting pocket yeah. uh, versus the Kawhi one, which was just kind of just like a frantic last second heave. But yeah, I mean, it has to be OG. And I think it's hilarious that the Serge alley-oop to Matt Thomas is like nominated for like six awards. <laughs> that can't be that good of a play. <laughs> no, nah, Alex, bro, don't even lie to me, man. You and I both got like at least 3,000 likes each. Just, just posting that video and nothing else. Just tweeting, yeah. <laughs> no, but come on. Okay, we all know. No, so it was great, a- <laughs> but I feel like I got to call you out for including that in like four all categories. Right, <laughs> Well, you know, it was not. It, it, it was nominated. It was nominated for several awards. I just want that on their resume. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree, man. It's it's got to be OG. That, that shot is ridiculous. It's um, what would you say second second greatest shot in Raptors playoff history? Man, you know what? I would weirdly put Serge's game seven three at near the top too, because yeah, just true. impact wise, I feel like that was pretty big too, just because. They were struggling to like score 80 points in a game like they are right now. But anyways. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Fred with the with with the threes in game five in Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, Even Fred shot in game six late, right? Oh man, when he crossed up Quinn Cook, then screamed, yeah. and then Keyshawn or, got the photo of the year. <laughs> Shout out to Keyshawn. And also uh Pascal's last uh basket in game six. Yep, yep. When Draymond was swiping at him and he made his move and then scored that floater, yeah, that was the last time. He man, scored. that was the last time he scored. Great. In the All right, <laughs> oh come on, man. Oh man, great moments though. Great moments. Can't wait to milk that championship run for the next yes. fifty years. Absolutely, absolutely. No, seriously though, uh, you you will never stop hearing about that year. 
And I hope you never get sick of it either. Um, biggest heartbreak of 2020, lots to pick from. Um, obviously, we're going to put aside the pandemic uh, because that was a huge part of it. And we're just going to talk about specifically basketball here. So the four options I had here were biggest heartbreak. Number one, Raptors not scoring a single basket for the final five minutes of game seven. That game was right there. Right Whoa, was there. that that really happened? I don't even remember that. Yeah, that, that really happened. No one has gone back to revisit game seven because it is just truly horrifying. It's like if you go back to Chernobyl for some reason, right? No one's making any documentaries on this. Um, but yeah, Raptors just couldn't score for the last five minutes. Um, Norm had the best chance, breakaway layup, got blocked by Marcus Smart. Uh, and, you know, that was pretty much it. Um, but yeah, the Raptors were like, even though the, six, the, the, the Celtics were only up like six for most of that quarter, which is totally manageable. It felt like they were up like 100 because the Raptors just couldn't score at all. Nobody could get a bucket. Um, biggest heartbreak, number two, Serge Ibaka joining the Clippers. This was just unexpected. I think we all kind of anticipated that Serge would come back. He specifically said he had a lot of interest in coming back, never envisioned himself anywhere else, but the Raptors went to him with an offer. It wasn't to his liking. And then Kawhi texted him, you coming or what? And then he just left. And now he broke Kawhi's face. So um, that sucks. But yeah, Serge joining the Clippers. I know it was a personal loss for you too. Um, financial loss. <laughs> yeah, financial loss. Although, it's, you know, listen, you can still write for them remotely. Everyone's working from home nowadays. Serge, man, you should have left like four months earlier. Then I could have applied for Serve. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, now we just got to call you Serve Ibaka. Um, <laughs> I thought that was Alex Lent. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, no, he's 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 Dollar Ramba JVA. You know, with, with, honestly, that's a, that's a huge insult to JV. Um, that's a huge insult to Dollar Ramba. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, now he's wish wish dot com JV. Oh, come on. Uh, um, next one, Marcus All shaving his head and then to to hit one three and then eating his jersey and then getting benched for like almost all. The <laughs> so shouts to Mark, but him walking off the court eating his jersey. Nah, in man. game six was like an incredible moment. That was like an anime ending, man. This guy got so frustrated. And he walked behind like the video board behind the bench to go like rip his jersey like two inches. <sighs> nobody yeah. nobody is harder on himself than Mark, man. Honestly. Absolutely nobody. And don't forget, remember, he lost. You know, we, we didn't see Mark for a while. Then we saw Mark slim down in those pictures uh, where he's wearing, you know, a Nike shirt with two logos on it. <laughs> I mean, I have to consult you because that's a fashion thing. Is that just something Nike was doing or was did he just buy something from like DH Gate? Like what happened, man? Yeah, I don't know, man. But Mark definitely is the king of just like taking the team issued apparel and just wearing yes. the hell out of it. Meanwhile, Serge is like spending half of his salary yeah. on like the top of his outfit. But yeah. no, shout, shout out to Mark, man. Miss that dude. Missed that dude, man. But yeah, seriously though, he he had to shave his head and and ate his jersey. It was it was a little tough to, to watch. It was a heartbreaking moment, honestly, because I, I I felt for Mark. You know, he so badly wants to win, and he's such a great guy. Um, and then the fourth most heartbreaking moment: zero three start to this season, losing by double digits uh, in in each of those losses and d- double digit leads. That's the first time a team has done that in NBA history. Realistically, it's not on par with the other ones, but I had to throw that in there because I have no other moments from this year so far. Um, what's your biggest heartbreak? Uh, so this is a close one. I think I think second place I would give to Serge joining the Clippers. Ooh. Uh, I think okay. second place is just it's just really tough because we know that Serge wanted to stay in Toronto. 
Yes. Um, this is one of the, this is like separate from saying, you know, Kawhi wanted to go home. Um, you know, Serge was posting on his Instagram of him watching Kyle Lowry um, when the Raptors had their opening night game, um, you know, and just seeing him with Kawhi again and seeing him with that franchise, uh, which is a basketball franchise, uh, but actually just a criminal enterprise because, you know, Jerry West was trying nice. to pay off people yep. to to acquire uh, Kawhi Leonard. I, I think that's tough. I think it's just any Raptors player that goes to the Clippers, mm-hmm. um, it's just tough to swallow. So hopefully um, the point guard on this team doesn't end up there because I'm going to become the joker if Kyle Lowry is wearing a Clippers jersey at some point in his career. But we're going to talk about that later. Um, the... The number one, I would just have to go with the Raptors uh, not scoring for five minutes in game seven. I think just game seven overall, like you mentioned, was a winnable game. And it was actually a game that the Raptors had control of in the second quarter. I I remember at one point they were up like, what, six, seven, eight points. And they just kind of gave that away. And there were just so many turnovers in that game. I just remember all the turnovers that they committed. Like, forget the fact that nobody could score Mm-hmm. in the half court or the fact that they couldn't score the last five minutes or Marcus Smart block Norm, they just played really sloppy. And, you know, maybe it's just a matter of they were just so tired coming back from 2-0 and the double overtime in game six. But, you know, I'd rather they would have just gotten blown out or something because it's one of those games where you look back on and it's tough because you feel like they should have won. Yeah, no, that game is absolutely heartbreaking um, for all the reasons you mentioned. And don't forget, it was a... One point game with when Kyle Lowry fouled out, it was an unfortunate play. I wish he didn't. I wish he just gave up the layup. I know you have to. I know you have to. You don't. Pre- you have to prevent a layup. And it's a, it's a guy who's not a good free throw shooter. But I just felt like if you had Kyle for the last, you know, few plays of the game, like two three plays of the game, you, the result might have been so different. And it didn't feel right that Kyle was fouling out in that game uh, where he grabbed Grant Williams. But on that rebound after Grant missed the free throw. Jason Tatum flies in and grabs the rebound and gets the gets fouled again. And I forget who was trying to box him out. I'm just going to blame Norm because I feel like he would have been most likely to do that. But uh, it was just it was just such a heartbreaking moment because after the two free throws, Raptors still only down three. They go to the other end. They have no timeouts left. Nick Nurse, by this point, has screamed himself so hoarse, and he's so red because he's been in Florida all the time. So he looks like a lobster, and he's wearing a pink shirt. And <laughs> And, you know... The Raptors tried to run the hammer play for, you know, um, a corner three-point shoot. I believe it was for Norm. And it just didn't work out because the Sixers completely snuffed out that play. And so Fred had to dribble around and do nothing. Actually, I think they might have had a timeout. I wasn't sure why Nick didn't call it. But, you know, Fred dribbled, dribbled, dribbled. Uh, He got a mismatch with Grant Williams and shot the shot. And I don't think it came anywhere close. And that's how the Raptors season ended. It was just – it was a heartbreaking way to lose it because it felt like the Raptors just made more mistakes than the Celtics did. Um, as you mentioned, the Raptors had 18 turnovers. The Celtics had 10. So honestly, neither team played well offensively. Raptors actually shot a better percentage. It's just the Raptors had fewer possessions, and they lost the game, and they lost the series. It was uh, it was really heartbreaking, man. And that was the last time we saw Serge and Mark in, in Raptors jerseys, you know? Yeah, it's weird because, like, I'm, I'm obviously – upset about seeing Serge on the Clippers. Mm-hmm. But with Mark on the Lakers, I'm, like, happy for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And he looks great. It's a great fit for him, man, because he doesn't have to do much. So he could just, like, do the things that he does really well, which is play defense, and throw, like, gorgeous passes, man. So Yeah, there could be playoff series. Like, obviously, you know, he'll be really useful if they play, like, the Nuggets and Jokic and things like that. But there's, like, playoff series where, legit, he probably doesn't even need to play. Yeah, 
Well, I still believe the AD at the five is such a huge uh, lineup for them that they're going to end up playing that a ton. So, but we should have become we should have become Clippers uh, beat writers this year since everything is on Zoom anyways. Like us covering <laughs> us covering the Clippers would have been hilarious though. Come on, yo. <laughs> Just like the amount of bitterness. Plus, we would give them so much sauce because, you know, that organization has no sauce. I saw they're calling Kawhi Hannibal Leonard because of his mask. Like, come on, man. Yo, I, I, there's like one Clipper fan that I know of, and it's Vince Staples. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and I like also, Vince, but like... Also, their team accounts when they were losing by 51 uh-huh. was like trying to clap back at Lakers fans and posted this like what one... This like forty point win, like screenshot of when like Blake Griffin and Chris Paul were there, like a random regular season game, and it's like you gotta just have a little bit more respect for yourself when your best result is uh, game seven of the second round and blowing three one leads twice. Yeah. Wow. Um, Sorry. Did that? Did it sounded really bitter. I mean, we are really bitter. It is what it is, man. We're we're just we're, we're mad bitter. But uh, I will say that you know I will never ditch the Raptors for the Clippers. All right, I feel like uh, in, in Braveheart. I didn't. I didn't mean for you to ditch them. I just thought it's it's better content than covering an expansion team in Tampa who who are zero and three. Well, actually, your debatable. content is your your content is a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately yeah, I, it's a lot better when the raptors are terrible <laughs> I, i'm uh i'm i'm, I'm recession proof essentially um no but no seriously though i you know i feel like uh you know uh william wallace in braveheart man you can you can take away Kawhi, but you can never take away my raptors fandom like no i'm not doing that okay I'm not joining the clippers bandwagon which by the way i'm i'm fairly convinced my parents in china in 1995 were like yeah this kid is his, his english name is william <laughs> just based off that movie alone so um next next moment wow i can't believe that's your that's your origin story well you could have been named hitch yeah bro i would love to be named hitch man hello and welcome to the (laughs) raptors reaction podcast i'm your host hitch lou yo hitch lou is insane man Uh, all right best viral moment we got four more awards to go best viral moment of 2020 serge Ibaka versus og and obi in the scarf war obviously it started on uh serge's show uh, why are you sighing so hard, man? That was a great moment. You sound you sound stressed. Uh, I just miss Serge, bro. Bro, Serge is on two of these, so yeah, definitely. Um, Serge versus OG. You know, it, it, it was on that um, that show that he did. I don't know why. I'm for I bet class with with Serge Ibaka at Holt Renfrew. Um, surprised I didn't see uh, Joseph Cacharo in the background. I feel like he's definitely a, a Holt. Customer. No, Joseph Cacharo was busy posing um, in his white tank top with Malachi Flynn. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. He was, he was part of the family. Um, you know, Cash just got the best hair of the family. But yeah, Serge versus OG in the scarf war. Obviously started there. You know, OG asking, "What about scarves? What about scarves?" Serge almost uh, going Marquise Chris on OG for that, and then of course Serge then coming to the game. And well, first we saw OG in the game with a huge scarf, a huge Burberry scarf that was maybe like 12 feet long. And then Serge Ibaka showed up with what I believe is all the all the yarn in the entire world put together. So that was awesome. Serge Ibaka in this slam interview. So this is honestly, maybe just a slam interview in general, but it was Norm, it was Kyle, it was Fred, it was OG, it was Serge, and... Norm was there Oh, and, and, and Pascal was there too. Yeah, so six, six of the top seven. Um, Mark was actually in the photo shoot for the cover of the Slam magazine, but didn't stick around for the interview. I don't know why. He was just like, I'm tired of this. 
<laughs> I've gone home to, to shave my head. Um, <laughs> so, but that whole slime interview was amazing. Obviously, Serge was a star there, giving people nicknames, saying Young G from the London, um, calling Freddie, Franny Vandalay, saying I do art and walking off. That whole slime interview was incredible, man. Um, best viral moment number three, Roadman Matt Thomas. Um, just honestly, just so unexpected. I, d- I don't even think he played for the 905. Actually, no, he did. He played one or two games for 905 and immediately learned all the, you know, all, all the, the language. So good for good for Roadman Matt Thomas. Uh, looked like an extra from um, Top Boy. Uh, and then uh, at the end, Kyle Lowry hugging emotionless OG after game three. The meme where Kyle was just like grinning stupidly uh, because he's so happy. And that became a huge meme. Um, what's your favorite mar- viral moment for 2020? I'm going to go with the Serge OG scarf thing. Yeah. Although I will give a, I will give a shout out to the slam interview. I think that one's classic. I'm sure every Raptors fan has watched that by now, but if not, you should definitely look that up um, and just, you know, start watching it at 1150 tonight and you'll start (laughs) crying at midnight because you'll miss every uh, single joke that Serge made. But yeah, the Serge and OG thing I think was great, um, you know, self-explanatory, but also because it was hilarious that the scarf gave the Raptors more coverage on ESPN that they, than they have than they've had in, in the last like 10 years combined. Yep. You know, Raptors fans always complain that nobody covers uh, the Raptors. They never mention them. There's a conspiracy against them. And suddenly all it took was Serge Ibaka to wear a scarf. And you got Kendrick Perkins trying to imitate him. Oh, yeah. You've everybody got, wore a yeah, scarf. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wore scarves. And then you've got ESPN reporters interviewing him about art. Yep. Um, and so it was just, it became a whole national thing. So I think it has to be the scarf. It has to be. It has to be. It, it was honestly a great bit. And I think it was like, it fit the Canadian theme too. You know, it being cold, you need to wear a scarf. Um, it tried it. I think Serge got, honestly, did Serge get the Nobis deal out of that? Because Nobis handed him a bunch of scarves. I remember everyone on the team playing wore scarves. Yo, yeah, uh, that was iconic too. Yeah, it was iconic. You know, even, you know, Matt Devlin, Jack Armstrong, and uh, Leo Routens getting scarves and they took pictures with it. Like it was such a thing that everyone could really get involved in. Um, you know, it you know, ended up in GQ. Like it, it was absolutely everywhere, man. So that yeah. would have been like the go-to Halloween costume in Toronto. Oh my goodness. The pandemic yes. didn't hit. Yes. That would absolutely. You just wrap a blanket around your, uh, around your, your neck and you put on some, uh, you know shades and uh, a beanie and you can just say you're Serge Ibaka a toque you mean yeah a toque there you go yeah I, you know I don't wear hats man you know you let know me that. check your Canadian citizenship man yeah relax relax okay this <laughs> guy has to go back to a country where he can't watch the Sixers <laughs> yeah, that's okay I don't I don't need to know the Raptors <laughs> play the Sixers in the first round you absolutely can't even see it. <laughs> no don't worry man I'll definitely be using the VPN out there that's for damn sure um Favorite reporting moment. So this is getting more personal for us now. These the, the Raptor ones are pretty much over. Favorite reporting moment of 2020. Um, obviously, we didn't get to report for the majority of the year, but you know there are still some uh, pretty good uh, options here. Uh, first, Derek Rose coming out of the Pistons locker room. Why were we in the Pistons locker room, by the way? I don't. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> we were trying to. We were, trying, what are, were you trying to talk to Tony Snell about sneakers or something? We were just trying to see if uh, Dwayne Casey would accept an assistant coaching role on Nick Nurse's bench. To <laughs> okay, we, wow. were, we were going to present him with the offer. Like it's either that or you have to coach uh, Killian Hayes. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you had to think long and hard about it. That's for that's for sure. But um, yeah, Derek, uh, we were walking 
out of the locker room, Derek maybe was walking in and he just randomly said "Ni hao" to us, which honestly, you know, it, it was it was kind of funny. I just was. Listen, man, when there. you send an athlete to China for like ten straight summers, this yeah, is yeah. what happens. Yeah, he learns how to say hello. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I stand James Wiseman for this reason. Um, number two, Chris Boucher dunking on me. I feel like this has to be <laughs> the winner here. Let's be real, but um, I made a sly comment uh, because. Chris was getting bodied by one Yin Gabriel, uh, who I don't know if he's still on the Blazers or if he went somewhere else, but yeah. No, he, was, he signed somewhere else. Yeah. So yeah, he got bodied by one Yin Gabriel. I made a sly comment and then Chris said, you know, I see you talking down on me on run it back. Uh, and he said, we'll see you next time you ask me a question. I have not asked Chris Boucher a question ever. Um, so, you know, that's still holding true, but um, yeah, pretty sure that was you, but it's okay. He's, you know, it's fine. Um, next one, reporter confuses us. Unnamed reporter confuses the two of us and had an entire five-minute conversation <laughs> with one of us before realizing that it was the other person they were trying to get to. <laughs> Yo, we joke about this all the time, but, like, this actually <laughs> happens. And there are people on the Raptors beat who see us, like, every day. I don't want to say people because that's yeah. plural. Yeah. But there have been people that are around us on a day-to-day basis when we used to cover the team at the arena who still confuse us and i swear we don't no we we look no i know you merged our faces um recently and sent that to me which is horrifying Uh, yeah yeah which was nightmare fuel uh we just look like jeremy lynn and utah watanabe but yeah you know people do confuse us and it's it's wild but it's also hilarious uh, yeah, no, it, it legitimately happens. And uh, that five-minute conversation was, was a little awkward. And then um, a favorite reporting moment number four, not about us, but uh, Vivek Jacob, Big V, a.k.a. Big CBC, asking Aaron Baines about cricket uh, in a Zoom interview. Shout out <laughs> Big V, just stay extremely on brand. Um, those are your four candidates for favorite reporting moment. What, what do you What do you got as the winner? Yeah, shout-outs to V, man. That's how I first got to know V, was just like, why is this guy tweeting about cricket at 4 in the morning right now? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. You think I'm going to pick Chris Boucher? I'm actually going to pick Derek Rose. Okay. Speaking Mandarin to us, just because I can't stop laughing every time you bring it up. I, it was just so random, man. I wonder how much <laughs> Mandarin Derek Rose can say. Like, Can he say, like... He, I think that's all he knows, from? man. I, okay. I'm guessing that's all he knows. You gotta know some basics, man. You gotta like, you know, I, I you know, I, I don't speak much Spanish, but I know how to say cerveza or los, los, los <laughs> I think That's a good call. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just saying, like, Derek, you gotta know more than just Nihao. Like, come on. This guy thinks he's Marcus Sol now because he can say cerveza. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, right. no, I'm gonna go with Derek Rose, but an all honorable right. mention to Chris Boucher, and you know, I hope you guys figure it out. He, he'll, he's probably gonna be. So much better this season that it's not going to matter. Yeah, we'll see, man. I'm just going to change. I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change my name in the Zoom calls, the Zoom media calls to Alex Wong. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just, just yo, my, the just amount of confusion is going to be yo. Come on, man, please. <laughs> I'm somehow going to get banned. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'm going I'm to I'm going to put a, I'm going to buy a pair of Jordans just to put them on during the Zoom call, not show them. <laughs> what are you going to do, man? Wear them on your hands? Oh. <laughs> You never know, man. Um, all right. Next one. Best running back segment of 2020. I have four candidates here. Number one, 
Tyler Hero and Shea Gilgis Alexander roasting my fit pick, which included me wearing a vest, a white shirt, and a fanny pack that was pink on top of it. This is a surprise you had for me because you guys went to All-Star Weekend while I was in Mexico. And um, you apparently you guys talked to Tyler, Shay, forget who else. Yeah, about, we talked to Pascal. Oh, Pascal was well. on there. Yeah. Um, I think we talked to a few other guys. Yeah, this was like somehow our number one uh, mission at All-Star Weekend. <laughs> while we were sitting in crowded rooms and Adam Silver at his press conference was like, yeah, you know, we're monitoring this uh, coronavirus in China. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, um, but no, it was a great segment, man. It was a great segment. I believe Tyler said it was okay, which um, you know was 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 kind of nice to say. Although Pascal said throw the whole fit out, uh, and and yeah, I mean, yeah. I, and just so people know, I mean, number one, there's nothing wrong with wearing pink. Uh, great, great color choice there by you with the fanny pack. Uh, Will wears this fanny pack like around, like this is his signature oh, yeah, piece yeah. at the arena when we film Run It Back. <laughs> And just say just signature piece like it, it costs like five thousand dollars or something man <laughs> all right we know it definitely didn't um, yeah, it cost $5. you still watch nba games with uh toxic uh chat rooms on the side that you have to close um on the illegal feeds but no it's uh no the the fanny pack is a signature piece and i'm glad some of the nba players um including tyler hero you know appreciated it yeah exactly no listen tyler is like my brother's age so if he if he says it's cool, man, <laughs> yo, that's it's, really it's, messed it's, up. Actually, Tyler could yo, be my son. <laughs> yo, no, it, for real though, it is it's getting pretty weird for me too. I'm like, all right, you guys are you guys are. Yeah, is it weird for you that. when you're looking at players who are like 19, 20, and you're like, wow, they're like six years younger than me? Uh, yeah, I mean, almost. I'm, I I can still kind of relate to them so far, but. Yeah, I mean, um, it it started to get pretty weird for me, man, because some of them are are just like ridiculously young now um but yeah 2002 geez there are really players who are born in 2002 that's unbelievable yeah that's when um, you came to canada right no I, I came two years before that but yeah um okay that's number one tyler hero and shigel alexander and pascal siakam uh roast my fit pick number two reporter cosplay uh you know we talk about this all the time it's gonna be the winner but uh one episode this is during the pandemic we're still doing running back you know we were having fun with like the background stuff like that but i mean it got really tired for us we had nothing to talk about because nothing was going on so we cosplayed reporters asking players or coaches i forget about their contract situations coming up you know fred kyle or fred uh Serge and mark and and yeah we for some reason even though we are reporters we decided to cosplay other reporters that was cool. We had a Chinese bakery buns debate, which uh, what, you know, a lot of people uh, had thoughts and takes on it. We had, ended up doing a whole pod about it on Stephen LeBron radio. Bring that back. And um, DF West, who made a sub in appearance for me uh, while I was away in Mexico. And he just kept saying, scared money, don't make money. And then he then took all my money in poker <laughs> months after. So what are your, what, what's your, what's your, what's your running back segment of the year? It's got to be the reporter cosplay that mm-hmm. we did, you know, still the most iconic uh, episode <laughs> of running back, you know, go on the Yahoo sports Canada YouTube channel. I was actually trying to find the specific episode title today. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I gave up after two seconds, but you know, it's somewhere I think in February, I would say February or March, 
Um, you'll know right away because we pretty much spend the whole episode, like you mentioned, uh, <laughs> uh, pretending to be like Doug Smith, yep. Michael Grange, like Vivek and like Louis Saltzman. Um, just just an iconic episode. Iconic. That was the peak. That was the peak of, of our, our video era for sure. Yeah, I was I considered doing an accent um too and i was like no I'm not, I'm <laughs> that would have gone too far yeah, i would have gone too far we would have got canceled but yeah that was that was by far uh yeah that's number one for sure and then biggest lesson of 2020 um this is nothing to do with the raptors although i do have some options here uh one don't take winning for granted i think maybe this is because the raptors are on three and i'm like damn i'd love to see a win right now that wasn't just against Lamelo ball um two cherish every minute of kyle Lowry. Um, of course, he is uh, just, you know, deserves it. And also on an expiring contract. Uh, number three, patience is a virtue when it comes to players and their growth. Uh, and then number four, I just left open because I uh, don't have, have any more um, lessons of 2020. What, what Do you have a, a takeaway lesson of 2020 that you want to share or anything like that to wrap up this, uh, this, this year in Raptors basketball? Yeah, I guess like Raptors related. Um, I mean, number one, uh, just sports isn't that serious. Um, number two, I think just when you're coming from like, uh, obviously watching a championship team and mm-hmm. then watching them defend their championship, it's kind of hard to come down from that because it just sets like such a high bar and expectations for the team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being realistic when you look at all the players that they've lost over the past two off seasons, you know, it's not to say that this team can't win or this, this Owen three start is, you know, indicative of how the rest of the season is going to go, but obviously they took a step back. Um, you know, you don't expect them to, you know, struggle the way that they have, you know, coming out of the gate, especially with three games that looked winnable, but I think it's just about kind of changing the expectations a little bit. And, you know, when you talk about someone like Pascal that I think everyone is focused on, you know, I do think the criticisms are fair of, you know, how he has really disappeared a lot here late in games or the way that, you know, he's been playing. And I know you talked about, you wrote about how he's kind of trying to reinvent himself a little bit right now and like add different things to his game. So he, he can be the number one option. This is kind of like how last year was supposed to play out for Pascal. I think a lot of people were expecting that this was going to be Pascal last season yeah. at the start, trying yeah. to figure stuff out. But, you know, he didn't. You know, he was really good right away. So, I don't know. Is is Pascal ever going to be that number one guy on, like, a championship team? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. But, you know, is the guy that was a crucial part of the championship run, came up big in game one and game six of the finals, you know, all-NBA second team, all-star starter. I think that player is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it's just a matter of just, like, taking it with a grain of salt, you know, that the Raptors aren't competing for a championship this year and i think sometimes that's probably the hardest part and i mean as people who've watched the raptors for so many years this is really the first time kind of dealing with that right like like coming on the yep. other side of a championship so you know it's still going to be fun to watch the raptors um and root for them and all that stuff but i think it's just you know just just enjoy it man and you know hopefully the world gets back to normal soon and you know rob ford's like finance minister doesn't go on vacation uh yeah um no i think that's well said i actually i I like that i'm taking that as the winner it's not that serious sports is not that serious yo you Uh, gotta get jokes off when they're winning and you gotta get jokes off when they're getting swept by lebron i think it's a transition period i think people kind of it's gonna take time for the expectations to come down but um it'll be fun again man of course the raptors winning would really help but uh no the raptors have a lot of fun players 
absolutely, man. You know, Matt Thomas, <laughs> Malachi Flynn. You know, we've, we've seen we've seen enough out of three preseason. But it's games, like it's yeah. like you can't. It's hard to enjoy. It's like you can't watch like Chris Boucher go for like what twenty five and ten and seven blocks, but then gripe about whether you know he could play in a playoff series. You know, you you have to just look at it as yeah. what it is right now, mm-hmm. and just let the players develop as they will and trust that the front office is going to make moves to improve the team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's more transition coming, right? Like, I think the biggest question will be Kyle. Like if, if the team is still with a losing record, say at the trade deadline and Kyle is in his last season, I mean, there's going to be a legitimate conversation about whether he wants to be moved and whether the Raptors should move him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, this is no, but this, that's absolutely right though. And I honestly, like, um, I don't know. I mean, you have to also ask yourself, like, why do you watch sports? Like, why do you do something if, if it's not going to, if you're not going to take pleasure and some sort of value in it? Like, it's the only pleasure cannot just be winning. And it doesn't mean winning is not the most important thing. It absolutely is. But um, you're just never going to win all the time, man. Especially not when you are battling uphill because you're A, in Toronto, but B, in Tampa Bay with a roster that isn't necessarily equipped to, to compete for championships at the moment. You just have to sort of take it in stride and, and reset your expectations and take it what, what what it is. I mean, honestly, that's one of the biggest lessons of 2020 really is just like, you know, make the best of your situation. The situation is going to change. That's uh that's life. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I love when, uh, I love this... when a 20, 22 year old gives me life lessons, you know? <laughs> no, this, no, this is why we have you on Alex. This is why we have you on the, the, the sage advice. No, it's just, just enjoy it, man. You know, we've, and like, it's okay to be like, critical of the team Mm. like i think it's i don't think we should run away from that Mm -hmm. like like i said at the start like pascal's just not passing the eye test i don't even care about the stats and all the stuff you want to throw at like you know the the numbers you know scoring in the paint you know the fourth quarter numbers like he just doesn't look good at times like he just looks really uncomfortable and other times he does and he just has to work himself through it like it is what it is and uh, if they come out of it you realizing that he's miscast in the role that he's in then maybe they just need to do, they just need to kind of reconfigure things a little bit. But there's a whole process that needs to be figured out. So, yep. you know, just take it one game at a time. But having said that, you know, if they lose to the Knicks tonight, I'm going to become the Joker. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at you watching another movie, man. <laughs> yeah. I love latching onto one joke and using it for six months. I don't, um, I don't understand. Until you call me out on it at least three times and then I move on. No, you're the, you're the definition of fast vintage, man. So. <laughs> yeah i know that term all right uh um no but yeah it, it's uh it's uh it's, it's absolutely no it's what it is man i it, you know just like seriously try to enjoy everything like even when it, it's not always gonna go your way and in terms of perspective like i mean you know the raptors have given us seven incredible years how many runs last seven years right that's why people really appreciate the spurs thing like 20 years that's unbelievable yeah, look at the warriors right now yeah when you were sitting look there at the looking at the Warriors. yeah when you were watching the the warriors well the Cavs are a different example because i feel like everybody knew like as soon as lebron left it was over yeah but like, and also like the raptors are not the Cavs. no they've already like, done way better than those the, the Raptors things. will be fine. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, my only big thing right now is just getting Masai signed still. That's yeah, it. That's it. Yeah. You think MLSC uh, dropped a present on 
on a massage desk and it was a pen <laughs> buck style <laughs> well, well, that's the other thing too because i think the season at least a slow start would have been easier for fans to swallow if they yeah. still had that hope of Giannis maybe coming next season yeah and i know that but got taken a, away right it's, but it's also kind of unhealthy in a way right like why latch on to something that is so 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 remotely possible and I'm not saying that in terms of like a, from a, a perspective of being, you know, negative or that it's, you know, not something worth talking about. I mean, like we have gotten so much content off of this, this dream, but, um, you know, I think also facing your reality sometimes is a little bit better than just thinking that there's like a magical solution out there that's going to do everything for you. Like the, the Raptors now have to kind of take their own personal responsibility of what's wrong with the team and, and build from there. So I don't mind that. It is. The, 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 the man, the perspective that you're bringing. Yeah, this man's well, like the well, Raptors listen. need to look in the mirror and reflect. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's true though. But no, I, honestly, like I turned twenty eight. You know, I, you know, a lot of things change when you turn twenty. Oh man, I can't wait till you're thirty, man. I can't uh, wait till you're thirty. And I, would then be, I'm, I would be so insufferable, bro. <laughs> and then I'm forty. Um, uh, nah, yeah, and also like Kawhi. I think the one year of Kawhi spoiled a lot of people too, right? Yeah, well, I mean, let's be real. A lot of people came in for that year with Kawhi, which is absolutely no nothing wrong with it, right? But sure. Sure. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that brought in some of the the toxicness. Oh, uh, bro, that, that, there, there was toxicity here. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, let's be clear. Time. Like, like, long, like long it's been time. toxic. Yeah. It's been toxic. But I think if you bring in kind of new fans too, um, maybe from like watching other sports, because we know like the Leafs fan base can get really toxic too. Um, and right. I don't know about the Argos. But like, <laughs> yo, if you're getting toxic about the Argos, <laughs> what are you doing, man? This guy's yo, like, you no. can't be getting toxic about a league with like eight teams and two of them are named the Rough Riders <laughs> or used to. No, but <laughs> that's why, like, you saw all that garbage that people were throwing at like Pascal, uh-huh, you know, yeah. online and just like bullying him after his playoff performance. And it's unfortunate to think like it affects these guys, right? It's not like just because these guys are getting paid like four years, 130 million. Mm-hmm that the internet comments don't affect them, you know, the same way they affect me when people tell me, um, why am I still using uncut gems memes? It's Who, who's people. It's me. Just, yeah. yeah it's just you. <laughs> what do you mean? It's like people. I'm right here. <laughs> I'm people. <laughs> no. So I think like a lot of people like new and old fans just got really spoiled by the championship run. Yeah. And they should be, cause that was just such a magical season. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just kind of coming to, to, to grips with the fact that that's not, the reality for the Raptors. Yeah. Season. Yeah. I mean, um, and, and look, it's, it's totally normal to have championship expectations and standards, like definitely hold on and keep those, but um, you also have to have perspective. Like you can't always be demanding that, like, you know? Yeah. It's not like Liverpool is going to win the Premier League every year, you know? Well, they're going to win it this year. Right? I don't care. They just drew two times in a row to crappy opponents, but they're going to oh, win man, it forgot, this year. Forgot to research. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the story, they're still on top of the league. It's just uh it's it's very bun- uh, bu- bundled up this year. Um, no, but I've already given that analogy, man. Listen, it's it's like the Asian parenting thing. Like, you know, not every Asian kid is going to turn out to be a doctor. So you're just going to have to accept, you know, the Alex's and Will's of the world. And, you know, <laughs> that's fine. And, you know, and... <laughs> Yeah, make sure you put uh, make sure you put this as a video on uh, the Yahoo Sports Canada channel, so my dad knows I'm alive. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, I'll do that. Uh, happy birthday or happy uh, Happy New Year to uh, to Alex's dad. Um, you want to plug his golf lessons? Like, what do you want? What do you want to do? No, 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 I'm not plugging his business where he puts illegal signs, lawn signs, in front of Costco's in Markham. Oh <laughs> Just, my goodness! Yeah. 
That's another reason to defund the police. All right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, Alex, thanks for coming on. Uh, 2020 was a great year. Uh, you were a big part of that for me in this job. Uh, and, yeah, looking forward to making jokes about the Raptors in 2021, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah Run It Back is coming back next week, so everybody should check that out. Watch it, all right? It, it'll be the only fun Raptors content you'll see in a while. <laughs> no, I miss Serge, man. All right, thanks everyone for listening. Um, Happy New Year, and uh, hope the Raptors beat the Knicks tonight. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.